Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At a time when eating healthy seems to get more and more complicated and expensive, dairy remains simple and affordable. A powerful source of micronutrients, high-quality amino acids and calcium that are all essential for healthy muscles and bones, dairy really should be enjoyed as part of a varied and balanced diet. Lovingly made with all the goodness of organic British milk, Yo Valley Kefir is a creamy, tangy, organic yogurt packed with billions of live bacteria from 14 different culture strains for maximum gut flora diversity. Available in natural, mango and passion fruit, blueberry and strawberry flavours, the daily boost you deserve is in the yogurt aisle at all the major supermarkets. To find out more, head over to yovalley.co.uk. Welcome back to Food for Thought and what is Series 5? Over the next 12 weeks, my special guest and I's mission is to expose why so much advice online is misleading. We'll be using proven science to sort fact from fiction and dispel everything that remains confusing in the world of wellness. I've never been so excited to bring what I believe is the best series yet. And if you haven't already heard, I'm so delighted to announce the inaugural Food for Thought Festival is happening. It's on January the 25th, 2020 in London. And much like this podcast, I'm bringing together authoritative voices in nutrition, health and fitness, but on one special day. So for more information and to get tickets, please visit retrition.com before it sells out. Strange beliefs around women's bodies have a long history, and every day we are bombarded by new wellness claims from restoring the balance of our hormones to the self-healing properties of celery juice. And unsurprisingly, the wellness industry is now worth over 2.8 trillion worldwide. It has never been so difficult to distinguish fact from fad, leaving many of us feeling extremely confused, including myself. So joining me today to help uncover only the truth is personal trainer, best-selling author and women's health magazine columnist, Alice Living. Hello, Alice. Hi. Hello. Um, I think when there are so many smart women out there falling for harmful and pseudoscientific claims, let's just delve right in. Why do you think this is happening? 
Oh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. And I've definitely been in the position where I've fallen for some of this stuff myself too. Um, I think it comes from a genuine place of us all wanting to live healthier, live longer. I think we've suddenly got access to all of this information which we didn't necessarily have before, where we're able to read about all of these things like um, our health, our well-being. Wellness has become a thing that was never a thing 10, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and it's become very difficult to decipher facts from fiction because um, I think many, many people enter, and, and I'm going to use this word even though I, I use it in brackets, but the wellness industry with the best intentions and wanting to help people to achieve that elusive thing that is ultimate health and happiness if it so exists. Mm. Um, and I think it's difficult because I think the people that we are listening to, bar people like yourself who are obviously qualified experts, um, you know, anyone can enter, and this is the dangerous thing, is anyone can enter onto social media, call themselves whatever they want, give themselves whatever kind of title they, they deem to be appropriate, and then start spouting off information in a very authoritative way, which for the average person seems legit. So it's really difficult for the average consumer of social media to know what is fact and what is fiction. Completely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it comes from potentially a very warm, loving place mm. that it can end up with a little bit of trouble. And some recent trends, I think, have been, well, they've been a bit silly, but interesting. So one study suggested one in five women have um, have washed inside their vagina in the past year. And apparently it's called douching. Douching? I think there's a French word, douche for the shower, as le it's douche. called. Yeah, le douche. I mean, do you know anything about this? Have you seen this? Because we know that the vaginal tissue is the most sensitive tissue in the body. So I think it's a really interesting one. And I actually think it's a wider issue that doesn't just stem from that particular um, piece of research. Yeah. I think if we look at brands, we've seen how consumerism has actually driven us to... Um, create products that we don't actually necessarily need <laughs> and then make us believe that we ultimately do really need them. And I think that's the really difficult um, area where it's not just feminine hygiene products, it's loads of things within the industry that we don't need. We've lived without for years and years and years and suddenly we're being told that we, we absolutely need this to, to live, like I said, live healthier and live longer. And there's a price tag attached to it. And I just think it's a very elitist, worrying kind of um, trend that seems to be uh, increasing. I think the thing with um, those kind of feminine hygiene products is that Research has shown time and time again, there's so many gynecologists who say this is not necessary. The pH of your vagina will maintain itself and you do not need to wash yourself with any luxury product. You will you will naturally do that yourselves. And I think, like, unfortunately, it goes back to what we were talking about in the first conversation, which is that the the marketing pitching around this stuff has been so good that people believe that, that unfortunately... They're going to trust something that they see in the shelving boots over a gynecologist who's saying, you don't need this. Oh, completely. I mean, some have even said it's a contraceptive tool, which is worrying. And I read as well that it can actually throw off the balance of the good bacteria in the vagina. So like Alice said, I think it's a bit of a money-making tool mm. here. But you have to be careful because the internet can say a lot of things and different societal norms tell us one thing, different cultures. But at the end of the day... If you are looking for a contraceptive, I'm just begging anyone listening, go to see your GP. Yeah, but also it, it kind of taps into a 
a, a deeper issue mm. of the fact that we we should be in some in some way ashamed of our vagina and ashamed of you know there's lots of stigma attached to our um that that area things like oh it, it you know if it smells or you know all of these things and we're made to feel ashamed of that which can hamper things like your sexual relationships your self confidence you know it goes much much deeper than just it being about you know it not being necessary and interestingly when I was reading up about it and um about you know these feminine hygiene products the gynecologist on their website says you know if if a woman should choose to wash her vagina with something it should be this and it's like no like you can't you know it's a very gray term and a very gray statement to make in that he's not necessarily saying you have to have it but if you should choose to and I just think Mm. we really need to be a lot clearer in what we need and what we don't need for our bodies and making it a lot simpler for people because as as you know, in the nutrition world, things have just got so overcomplicated, and we, we we're being made to feel as though we have to spend a lot of money on achieving that elusive thing called like optimal health. And it's just not you know you'll know in the nutrition world, it's just not the case. No, and you correctly said that it preys on the vulnerable, and also what I call the worried well as well. It's something that happens a lot that I see that it preys on all of our insecurities, and as females as well, it's actually mm. you're right. It's much deeper rooted. This is definitely not. My I feel but it's deep-rooted psychology there that perhaps we're definitely not good enough or inferior and we Mm. should always be striving for perfection which is which is worrying but what else have you seen that's dangerous recently that we should be aware of I think something that I've seen online um which actually a couple of people I've seen call out, which is great, and people in, author- in, in, in a position to be able to do so, which is even better. But um, one of them is hormone balancing. Mm. Now, I think this is a really, really interesting area because I think it particularly play- preys on women and vulnerable women who feel as though... Th- in the majority of cases I've seen who feel as though they've almost done everything uh, to try and lose weight and nothing seems to be working and then this person comes along and says but I can balance your hormones and suddenly it's like they're they're cured and they are so much better and they're able to lose weight and I think this this idea of hormone balancing from people that are not endocrinologists are not doctors are not people with any qualification but maybe being a personal trainer is quite concerning Completely. And I think especially with the hormone balancing, it's also linked to, for instance, you yourself are very open and about having polycystic ovarian mm. syndrome. And I think for women out there, that and there's a large majority of them, and definitely for listeners, go back to the episode we recorded um, with Anita, the gynae geek. So many people suffer with endometriosis and mm. different female-related problems. And this is almost saying, well, I can help you fix that mm. if you balance this out by taking these supplements. And I mean, Alice, why do you think that it's it's that there are more products now targeting women and especially those under the age of 18 as well? It's, it seems to be everywhere. I think it's because there's money there. Mm. I think it's because we, we have become... Um, like I said earlier, we've 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 come to believe that we need to spend money on our health, and that the more money we spend on it, the better it must be. And I think big big brands have cottoned onto the fact that people are are willing to spend money on their well being and their health. And so every brand going is trying to make themselves a wellness brand in some way. If you look at campaigns from you know all all sorts of brands under the sun they'll always try and have like a wellness angle because they realize that it's a great marketing sell you know use our brand and you will be healthier and happier <laughs> i just think it's and glow um, everywhere yeah and particularly when you mention the under 18s like it's really concerning that um a lot of this stuff is targeted at girls that are not uh, you know they're 
not even out of puberty yet. Their bodies are still changing. They're still under, they're still deciding who they are and who they want to be. And to come in and already make them conscious and aware of things that they don't need to be made aware of at that age. It's you know, such a um, such a tricky like time anyway. Um, it's no wonder that we have the issues that we do. And I think there is completely multifactorial in what it comes down to. I think, you know, social media doesn't help. The media doesn't help. But I also think marketing products, particularly that are focused on things like weight loss or health to a certain degree, at girls that are, girls and boys that are under 18 is, is really concerning. Yeah, I absolutely could not agree more. And I'm so counting my lucky stars that I did not grow up with social media. Me too. Oh, gosh, I mean, I can't, I had Facebook and MySpace <laughs> and maybe a bit of Bebo as well. I used to have Bebo. I loved Bebo. MySpace, make oh, your own website. Yeah, no, MySpace, it was all about that, wasn't it? Um, well, apparently now though, Instagram are looking to block under 18s from viewing some marketed things so surely that's one step in the right direction absolutely and I think it's the first of many steps that we will have where we look to um, have a more regulated uh, site I think Instagram mm. has definitely taken on board a lot of the feedback that people like Jamila Jamil have put mm. to them by saying that this is damaging this is um really have like harming the health of of young people and not just young people actually loads of women um who use these products. So I think it's great. I think it's definitely a step in the direct, the right <laughs> direction, like you said, but I think that more can be done as well oh, because definitely. I think it's not just about the marketing of it. It's why are these products allowed to exist in the first place? Why are they allowed to be sold on the shelves? We might have had it removed from our Instagram feeds, but you can walk down to your local high street and get this this stuff easily and 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 you know for not much money so yes it's a step in the right direction I think it's a really positive one and I think it speaks it speaks to a, a wider kind of conversation of we need to have more regulation and we need to have more experts like yourself who are saying this is really wrong um but that there is definitely more that can be done oh Gosh, yes, I could not agree more with you. I mean, I remember when Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop website suggested the idea that you could put a hunk of a hundred, I think it was like a hundred pound of jade rock in your vagina. The vaginal egg. Yeah, harmless your feminine energy. Because, you know, <laughs> Gwyneth has a couple of like Bob to throw at something like that. But Well, she settled a, cons- I think it was like a consumer protection lawsuit regarding the eggs and it cost Goop over a hundred thousand pounds. It's actually f- in my little bit that I got, 485000 in the end it closed wow. out that she spent. And I'm like, was that really worth your $100 egg, vaginal egg? <laughs> and I think it, it, like things like that are just everything that I hate about the wellness industry, which is that, you know, it's for, it, it, it creates this environment of it feeling as though you have to spend a lot of money to get to be be at the top of you like it's a very elitist yeah. environment you know yeah. if you look at like the cost of a kombucha yeah. or if you look at the cost of all of these kind of health products and I just think like people are literally portioning off such a huge amount of their salary on like on on these things in the hope that they're going to somehow be healthier and better and like to some degree yes okay they might be you know there's some research to suggest fermented stuff is good for our gut yeah but it's not a but miracle it's not, it's not a miracle and it's also not necessarily um worth throwing that much money at it you know people are having these things to one two a day if you add all yeah. of that up are you not just better making some homemade 
sauerkraut. Well, this is just it. And what do you think about, um, obviously I echo everything that you're saying there and agree with it wholeheartedly. It's it's very worrying. What about celebrities that endorse these campaigns? So of course, part of the problem now is we've got influencers online as well as um, celebrities in Hollywood or whoever. Mm. They can get up there, portray probably an airbrushed image, but, mm. you know, a certain body type and they'll advertise a product. What can we do about this? What is your viewpoint on this? Well, I think it's pretty, like, obvious. I think we need to have people like yourself, people like the experts that I'm starting to see get a voice within this industry and within wellness in general, who are coming out as qualified experts and saying... This is, you know, this is what I believe. These are the things that I support, but there's also a lot that's rubbish out there. I Mm. think we need to start respecting people's qualifications, Mm. people that stay within their lane and practice within their scope of practice, um, rather than, you know, it it even comes back to, you're right with celebrities, that's, you know, people... um, or brands, sorry, want to use these celebrities to get the most um, engagement with, I guess, their their um, campaign. But also, if you look at social media, you know, often the people that do brand campaigns are not the best people for that job. It's like they chase after numbers, and it's like just because that person's got X amount of followers, they must be the best spokesperson for this campaign. Well, no, we actually need to look much deeper than that and say, does is this person qualified to be uh, promoting this product? Mm-hmm. Are they giving a very balanced viewpoint, or are they just almost being fed a little bit of information by the brand? Um, I think it's really interesting touching on I guess that but there's very much and this is something that I certainly experienced at the start of my I guess I put in inverted commas but journey um, is that that Dunning-Kruger effect where you have that cognitive bias at the start of your kind Mm -hmm. of experience where you believe that you know everything about your your given subject or whatever so at the start of my journey I thought I knew everything there was to know about fitness and the more that I continued down that path I suddenly realized oh my god I know nothing (laughs) the more you know the less you know it's so true (laughs) and it's so true but I think some people and you know we touched on this earlier they're doing it with the best intentions but it's just not um, it's not okay and yeah. no matter how well-meaning your your association with a brand or your being the face of may be, if it's something that is dangerous or harmful or even a little bit controversial, you need to be questioning, you know, your motivation to do that. Well, I would also argue as well with that, it's up to, so we've got two responsibilities. We've got actually maybe three. So we've got the companies that produce stuff, Mm. we've got the people that choose to endorse it, and then we've got the consumers that choose to consume the content. Mm. So there's this three-pronged kind of thing going on, and we all need to step up and start taking responsibility. I'm sure, Alice, that like myself, you probably turned down, if I could tell you how many, even yesterday in my inbox, I was showing my colleague B, and I was like, oh, look, another detox program. They want oh. to send me another juice cleanse. You know, I, they want me to advertise it. And of course, you say, I say no, but the money would be tempting for so many people. I walked past a cafe in South Kensington yesterday, and it's, it's one that I had previously spent a lot of time in, and they had a big chalkboard out the front, which, as people walked past, said time to detox Mm. and it's people's psychology it it preys I don't think I know that this must sound very perhaps obvious to people listening but it's people's mental health that you can't see the impact that having these subliminal messages everywhere can have on people and I'm sure Alice that being a personal trainer you must hear some terrible shortcuts people want to consider I mean to get the likes of fix quick what is it? Quick fix. Quick fix abs. <laughs> fix quick. Fix them quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean. There's so Yeah, there's so much. And I think there's lots of parallels between the nutrition world and the fitness world. In fact, I was just talking to Tally about the fact that a lot of people enter into the nutrition world 
from a disordered space. Yeah. And the same with the fitness world. You know, when I when I entered into the fitness industry, it was because I had done a body transformation and I truly believed that because I'd done it, everyone else should be able to do it too. And yes, it was well-meaning, but it was absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. And sim- like I was saying earlier, I suddenly realized that there was a lot that I didn't know and I had a lot of learning to do. Um, but I still think that we very much have trainers in the industry who are monkey see monkey do you know I've done it therefore you should be able to do it too and it's really simple and it's just about having a calorie deficit and you know you know how much that gets on my tits but um, (laughs) I just think particularly within the fitness industry we become very black and white about our approach for a lot of people I'm not saying this is everyone but a lot of people become very black and white you know they negate any any sort of like um, nuance within within the nutrition world, they sort of just say, you know, it's very black and white. You need to have a calorie deficit and you need to look at energy in versus energy out. Well, you're the first person that will sit oh, there and say it's so, that. It is so much more complicated than simplistic. that. It's too simplistic. Of course. And um, that is definitely something that frustrates me within the fitness industry. And the other things are, um, I think we still very much fall into the category for the majority of people that I see of overtraining and under-recovering. And those two things have such a huge impact physiologically beyond what I think people realise. So like their immune function is going to decrease, things like their bone health, uh, their recovery, they're going to have uh, decreased um, cognitive function, they're going to fatigue, They're going to their mood is going to be terrible. Hormones for females. Exactly, your hormonal profile. So I think we we often confuse, I guess, health with aesthetics. And I know that's, that's something that you've definitely spoken about and I have experienced completely. So I'm sitting mm-hmm. here as someone who's been through that oh, yeah. journey. Um, but we confuse the idea that the way we look determines how our, like our health. And that's absolutely not the case. And so uh, someone may look physically very fit. They may be very muscular. They may be very lean. But actually on paper, they may not be having a period. And no. they may be sleeping terribly. And they may be massively fatigued and not able to make it through the day without having a nap. So... I think it's really important that we, within the fitness industry, take a step back and to some degree have a bit more of a holistic approach to how we how we practice with our clients. And I've mm. certain, definitely something, something I've done with myself is not just look at the, the fitness that my client is doing, the fitness, the exercises <laughs> my client is doing on the gym floor, um, looking at the much bigger picture. So yesterday I had a new client and within our consultation we spoke for an hour about loads of different things, about how she's sleeping, her stress levels, you know, looking at like um, just her general behaviours throughout the day. So is she sat at a desk for a long period of time? Mm. Can we get her outside into nature more? And if you look at it as much more multifactorial than just you know the very simplistic approach that I touched on earlier it it just has a lot more of an engaging feel and and it's something that someone is able to sustain for the rest of their lives rather than getting someone in and saying right calorie deficit 12 weeks in out you're done I know and I think um using different examples I remember in in clinics one of the first studies we used at university looking at body composition in Mm -hmm. a module was one of models in fashion week in New York Mm. and they took a large sample um I think it was over the course of three years just checking in on people's body composition Mm. and we're talking very very slim women and back in the the 90s the kind of ideal at the very beginning or end of the 80s don't quote me on the time period was that kind of very very, very thin, not strong at all, mm. um, aesthetic. And actually the models had such a high body fat percentage, it was worryingly unhealthy. And you high body fat percentage. High body fat percentage. That's because the organs can cling on to fat. It doesn't mean their insides are healthy. Ah. And because you've got a lack of muscle mass as mm. well, yeah. it just means your stores are very different. Mm. So 
it just goes to show you can't judge a book by no, its cover. No, absolutely not. And Alice, you've seen a shift of importance from physical health to mental health as well, mm. now, haven't you? Like you said, with your clients, I mean, what do clients ask for the most? And what kind of shifts have you seen? Um, so I've definitely seen a shift. And I think because a lot of people um, follow me on social media, I think the clients that I get now are very much looking for a more holistic approach to their to their fitness and a more sustainable and long-term view on strength training for their physical health, strength training for confidence, strength training for bone health, strength training for longevity of life and optimal movement. So they respect the fact that it's much, much more than just body composition um and i think in terms of my clients i would like to think that um almost all of them would see health as being the goal rather than it being weight loss don't get me wrong i do still have people that want weight loss and that's but that's okay absolutely something that we can cater to and if that's their choice that's absolutely fine um but a lot of people do have more of health as their goal which i guess it's a little bit less tangible um so it can become a bit complicated but that's when we start to set gym-based goals so let's look at um having some gym-based goals which we can set over 12 weeks and let's see between now and then how much we can achieve and those kind of tangible goals are how you get them to draw that focus away from just jumping on a scale every day and saying oh my god it's gone up by a pound um because I've been in that position I know how detrimental it can be to your mental health and I don't want anyone that sees me to feel that pressure or to put that pressure onto themselves so it's really nice to be able to take someone on that journey where you can really see the transition both physically and mentally in them because you see them suddenly really engage in their fitness in a way that they never have before because they've never had someone take them through a session where they're like, oh, I can really feel myself getting stronger and I can feel myself you know, getting more confident in this exercise. I mean, whereas, I can speak firsthand how empowering that yeah, is. Yeah, whereas previously yeah. they would have just run on a treadmill for 40 minutes thinking that was, the, that was the thing that they had to do to get fit. So it's really rewarding for both myself and I hope for my clients. But um, just in general, I think the industry is going that way too. You know, I've seen big shifts in class environments. I've seen, you know, we have a long way to go, but I do think that classes are becoming a more positive environment, that we're having a lot more respect for uh, recovery, mobility, all of these kind of things. Um, I mean, do you still think that we're being told thin is better still, and maybe in, in the fitness world in particular? I mean, what? how do you see that one shifting? I think either it's subconsciously or consciously I think yes unfortunately that messaging is still happening and is still seeping into the media and seeping into social media and um going to take many years it's going to take a long time for that to be undone but I think there are such wonderful people out there Mm. championing against that message you know I just said I was with Tally I think she's doing amazing things within the fitness space to help people heal their relationship with exercise um I think about people like um because it can be so daunting can't it for someone to walk in of a different body shape into a gym-based environment where classically um in the media it's portrayed especially if you look back in the 80s with the Mm. leotards with people just gym bunnies running around all one body shape size absolutely and I don't think it's even just about your body shape I think it's about sometimes it's being a woman in a very male dominated environment I think sometimes it's about stepping into space that feels quite uh, elitist in that you know 
if you know what you're doing, you're kind of, you're at the top of the tribe. But if you go in as a newbie, you can feel very inferior. So I think gym intimidation, which is what I'm going to call it, um, Love it. <laughs> is really, really common. And it's probably something that I get messaged about almost daily for how, how to help people overcome that. And my biggest tip is that you deserve your space on that gym floor just as much as the next person. And everyone was a beginner once. Everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. So you have to try and put the blinkers on because you are showing up to do something that's positive for yourself and you really, really shouldn't worry about what anyone else is is doing or saying around you. And I have to say that half the time, half of those people that are probably those kind of gym bros that are like doing bicep curls in the squat rack don't know what the hell they're doing anyway. So just (laughs) ignore everyone and just make sure that you focus on the positive stuff that you are doing for yourself in that special time that you've given allocated to going to the gym. Put your headphones on, focus on you. I mean, Mm. one thing that I get a lot in the clinic at the moment and it's one we're actually going to do a whole episode on but I hear a lot about ketogenic diets being spoken about from a fitness point of view in mm. gyms all these sorts of dietary trends that should not be recommended in those environments either do you witness some of that do you see it around a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I haven't seen the ketogenic diet being... Uh, spoken about as much I think that was like two three years ago that I saw that as being a big trend and uh, thankfully now I know that there's there's been a lot of research even I think Martin McDonald posted yesterday about that is it Hall et al that did the research on the ketogenic diet there's so many now yeah so I think actually it's um it's something that I feel is being slowly put to bed. Um, obviously, you'll still have people that like champion that message who are clearly misinformed. Um, but I do think that we are starting to see that one die, die death. Um, I think just moving away from, I guess, ketogenic, but but the low-carb movement, I think, is still a thing. Um, I, I think it's 
particularly within women, something that we feel as though we have to lean towards to lose weight. And I think that's something where people are also misinformed. And and, um, that's a very like faddy myth that I think has clung on for as long as possible. I wish I could tell every woman out there, you can eat all the carbs in the world (laughs) and it would not make a difference. It is your overall diet. It's one of those things that you're right. It's very female centric. Mm, Very, very. And I think... um, yeah, I think that's that's something that I see more often than the ketogenic diet, which I guess is to the extreme of that um, of that end. But I think, um, on the whole, I, I I think you're absolutely right that we need to start having. Um, a bit more regulation in terms of how much personal trainers do in when it comes to nutrition because that is the concerning point it might not be that it's the ketogenic diet but I have absolutely seen a lot of personal trainers give nutrition advice beyond their scope of practice I find it very difficult Mm. Uh, so I'm glad you've actually brought that as a subject up because I know firsthand they don't really get enough on a level three PT course I I mean none none like Uh, yeah (laughs) exactly maybe an hour (laughs) yeah and even an add-on course doesn't make them a nutritionist yeah so that that is a worrying subject. And I think the issue is is that we need to respect the fact that it is such a huge thing to give advice on nutrition. It's such a personal complicated thing that like we are just not equipped. You know, if you if, if and this is where I've come to respect how important it is to be qualified is that you know, I would I would never be able to sit next to you and give someone nutrition advice knowing that you've gone through years of degrees, CPD, and everything you've done to get to where you are now. And even now, you're still not done with your learning. (laughs) If someone can sit there having done an hour in their PT course and, you know, maybe an, an extra CPD course for a couple of days, maybe, not sometimes not even that... It just is, it's it's a bit insulting. Well, it can affect people. I think people forget nutrition can affect long-term health. Mm. So it can have short-term and long-term consequences, mm. which is it's so crucial to remember. But at least recently, one thing that I saw, which was rife, is that the detox teas have been banned from Instagram, haven't they? Completely banned? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought the advertising had been banned, but I didn't know that they'd been completely banned. So we're try- I think that was the latest step, is that they've cut down the advertising and now companies that are cropping up that are advertising these things are being shut down pretty quickly if we all report them well that is i did i I did report um many many a time and (laughs) i actually got a message back this is the most infuriating thing was i got a message back saying this this um uh, profile doesn't uh contradict instagram's like um i don't know terms of practice whatever i can't remember but i was just like furious at the fact that i was like why not? I know. Um, but that is a very positive step. I know, but it's a lack of education again and understanding. So until you, you may still think you're doing no harm by having a product or advertising a product like that, like Alice said at the beginning, it's very difficult. But the good news is, I think, amidst all the pseudoscience we're seeing, more and more interest is gaining. You know, people want healthy relationships with food, don't they? They want to know how they can share a healthy way of eating that doesn't impact you negatively. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we all want to, like I said, and I keep saying, we all just want to be this elusive thing that is healthier and happier. And I think actually, and I'd written a little note about this, but I think the idea that we constantly have to be self-improving is a slightly concerning one. Like, I'm sure that for a lot of people that come into your clinic, not a lot, but maybe some, I'm not sure, they're probably doing all right. Their nutrition is 
probably okay. Oh, believe believe me, um, they surprise themselves. I'm like, do you know how well you're yeah. actually eating? Yeah, and I have the same in, with clients. I'm like, you know, they come in and think, oh, oh am I doing that right? And, and, and is this wrong? And I'll prob- I probably have a bit too much bread. Mm. And I look at their overall, you know, lifestyle and whatever, and I'm like, you're actually doing okay. And I think this idea that we have to be constantly improving, constantly bettering ourselves it feeds into this idea that we're just never good enough. And I think that's actually a really dangerous place to be. And it's definitely somewhere I've been where I was reading like a different self-help book every week. And I was constantly feeling as though I had to do more. And this idea that more is always better. And actually, that's not the case. You know, for the majority of us, we're kind of doing okay. You know, it's extremely interesting you mentioned self-help books, because I know they can have a place. But on our podcast about happiness, Mm. a professor that studies that area, he said that self-help books, this is his opinion, I'm just voicing right now, I know that they can be very beneficial for people. But he said there are actually so many of them out there now that are just making a buck because they are preying on your on your vulnerabilities. And also feeding into that idea that you you need to improve on your yourself and Mm. you know at some point I just stepped back and I was like "Mm, do I need to improve myself or am I kind of okay the way I am and I think we all of us can do that like we're all pretty good as we are you know like uh, yes you can probably always do a little bit more to eat better or to you know have a healthier lifestyle I'm sure but like is that extra 10% worth worth it for like that feeding into that idea that we're somehow not good enough and I think you've been on such I mean obviously from a friendship point of view but also as someone consuming your content online on the Alice Living page Mm. it used to be Clean Eating Alice we've Mm. already discussed that on a Mm. previous podcast episode (laughs) skip back to that one (laughs) yes skip back to that to have a listen but Alice has been on a huge huge journey especially around nutrition and fitness and you see food now more socially as well, don't you, Ra? And you see all the enjoyment and it's just a different place. I think it's just a different relationship. I think you you have to heal the fact that you you may have come from a very disordered place. And I think many of us have experienced that to some degree. I everyone think has a relationship with yeah, food. Yeah, it's almost every almost everyone has had some sort of disordered thinking or, or behaviours around food. And I think I certainly was there. And you really have to heal that. And I think you're absolutely right. You come to appreciate when you sort of come out the other side of that and the fog has cleared, um, that there is so much more that goes into our relationship with food than just what it is you know the the nutritional uh, content of it it's so much more than that and you know it's 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 just a, a bigger subject than um then I came to appreciate, you know, I saw it going back to what we were saying as, as so black and white. To me, it was so simple. Oh, it no just had color. to be, yeah, in and out and, you know, balancing that out every day. And it just lost its enjoyment. And I think I've, I do feel as though, and I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but I do feel like I've come really, really far. And, and it's, it's nice to be in a place where you just feel really comfortable and happy again with just, I guess, there's no such thing as normal, but eating relatively normally. Well, it's relative to you. And I think, Alice, just hearing you say that will help so many people. And we do have lots of questions from followers for you today. Oh, okay. So Alex has said, will intermittent fasting help me build more muscle? Uh, well, I guess, I, I'm sorry to be annoying, but that does actually come down to just energy in yeah energy out that one does a little bit because if you want to build muscle you need to have a slight calorie surplus in most cases not if you're a like for a lot of newbie lifters um they can build muscle with being in a deficit but i think um if is just 
a longer fasting period than um, if you had breakfast. So you're basically just having a wider gap, but I'd hope that you were still eating the same amount as you would if it were just in a regular 24-hour window. So I think it's really important to just look at more what you're having within that eating window and are you eating enough to be able to fuel the training that you're doing. Um, Something that I would say about IF is if you're doing heavy, heavy lifting uh, training sessions in the morning... I don't necessarily, and this is a personal thing, but I don't think that IF is that great um, for you to get the most out of those sessions. Um, I think that if it's, you know, if it's a light to moderate exercise session, absolutely fine. You probably feel great. But if you're doing a long, long run or if you're doing a heavy lifting session and you're then not eating before, but then also not fueling for quite a long period of time after that, I would I would start to be slightly concerned and also look at things like how how's that impacting your recovery? Yeah, very, very well answered. Um, Lorna has said, I'm a competitive bodybuilder and I really struggle to cope post-show when I put on weight. Have you experienced this? How do you move past it? Oh, Lorna. Um, (laughs) I have to be totally honest here. I find the world of bodybuilding to be a slightly terrifying and... um, and concerning one, you know, I've seen so many people who have been on that journey and that roller coaster of um, emotions and um I guess it really taps into some of the stuff that I was talking about previously, which is the long term impacts of um of eating in an energy deficit. So not eating enough to fuel your body, probably under recovering as well. And therefore what that would do to your health. Um I cannot tell you how many women that I have spoken to or heard from who have competitively bodybuilt who suffer from suffered or suffers still from hypothalamic amenorrhea so the loss of their period and body dysmorphia and oh god so many other th- yeah body dysmorphia disordered eating um eating disorders I think it's rife with lots of really concerning behaviors and um I'm not saying that what you're doing isn't necessarily fulfilling you. Um, I'm sure it is. And I'm sure that you've, you, you, you tap into that competitive element of it, which I totally get. But I would be really, really aware that if you're saying it's impacting your mental health, whether you want to make the, the decision to continue on that path. I think um, there are so many other positive ways in which you can challenge your body in a healthy way um, that aren't competitive bodybuilding, which essentially comes down to the subjective decision of a panel of supposed experts so I would really really um, look at how you can transition away from that movement potentially and get yourself in a better space um, to be able to embrace exercise in a really positive way rather than seeing it as this competitive kind of um, I would I'm going to have to say unhealthy environment living with a fear of weight gain constantly is definitely not great for anyone's psychology so yeah very very thoroughly answered and I really hope that you're okay Lorna so Carla has said sorry to ask but I drink a detox tea most mornings to lose weight for my wedding as nothing else is working I've got four weeks to go what should I do now (laughs) Ria have you got have you got a podcast on detox teas um, you've got a post on it we do we have lots of posts we have a blog um, I think yeah. your best bet Carla is to di- is, is I'm going to direct you to my okay. wonderful friend Rhiannon's information <laughs> because I, I could probably try and do it justice on here but I think she she is the expert in this area and I would direct you to why these things might be a little bit more damaging than you first realise yeah. Um 
I we did would... a whole BBC, um, I'm just trying to remember what interview it was, BBC Radio 4, I think, interview on Detox mm. too as well, which was really interesting. Yeah. You can still access it on the yeah. iPlayer. So I would send you to those, Carla. Yeah, no, good point. So Alice, thank you for answering those difficult questions for us. My pleasure. For us. My pleasure. Um, we're moving on to the best part, which is the fact or fiction round. Woohoo! <laughs> Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's right. do it. Fact or fiction to the following. The slimmer you are, the healthier you are. Fi- uh, oh my God. I just- <laughs> Sorry, I forgot which one was which. <laughs> oh my God, fiction. Skipping breakfast helps you train harder. Fiction. You should drink at least eight glasses of water a day. Fact. Pregnant mums shouldn't exercise. Fiction. <laughs> you can never have too much coffee. Fiction. Although I love coffee. So if you're sitting there thinking, damn it, I've just had my fourth cup, I'm with you. No, stick to to Alice's original answer. Um, (laughs) Women should use lighter weights than men, but more reps. Oh, fiction. Can you delve into that very quickly? Oh, yes. I mean, like there's there's absolutely... I actually blame um, a lot of the kind of 80s pin-up models who said that they only ever lift light weights, do not bulk, bulk, uh, bulk muscle you're not going to bulk you're going to build muscle but it's not going to like it's so difficult to build muscle guys it's so difficult to even lay down the tiniest bit of of muscle you i promise you people spend years trying to get like a little bit bigger you are not going to bulk perfect drinking alcohol helps you sleep (laughs) fiction (laughs) after a workout you need to drink a protein shake asap fiction cellulite means you've got too much excess fat oh fiction and sweat means you've trained hard. Fiction. Brilliant. Well done, Alice. 10 out of 10. Thank 10 you so much. And excellent, <laughs> excellent quick fire round. And that brings me on to the end of the podcast. I know, nearly. It's gone so quickly. It has, but as with every guest, we do finish with a food for thought. So mine today would be that with an ever-increasing number, as we've discussed, of self-proclaimed health gurus, both online, whose nutritional qualification is nothing more than a lifetime of eating. We must fight the culture of celebrities emerging as authorities on nutrition and health. And Alice said quite rightly, we need to tap into more qualified advice out there and start looking for it ourselves because these self-appointed health gurus aren't really doing anything wrong by encouraging healthy eating. It's just the way they go about it. And some with their immeasurable social media influence, surely there's a responsibility as well to ground their promises and evidence. I mean, I feel we need to call out for that a little bit more as Mm. well. All sharing unique definitions of healthy, they appear to offer a similar trend of restriction. And you'll rarely find a mention of the nutritional degree, which teaches the evidence-based biochem, the immunology, pathophysiology and psychology required to dictate what someone should and shouldn't be eating. I mean... It is immense. Um, never underestimate the study. Can I just add something in yeah. there as well? Is that you say dictate what someone eats, but actually that's the farthest thing that you do. Exactly. And I think this is the difference, actually, and one of the main differences that I see between people that are qualified experts mm. like yourself and not is that there is much more dictating from the people that are unqualified yes. and there's much less in the people that are qualified it's much more about choice it's much more about in- encouraging that person to make their own decisions it's a kinder ethos and it's not a one-size-fits-all mm. thing and mm. like thank you for adding that because that really frustrates me and I find as a health professional you know, yes, I'm using evidence-based research, which means there are lots of studies that dictate whether something mm. or not works. But I know perfectly well that everyone is individual and unique and some things work for some and others 
not really. Mm. So a deep lack of understanding from these self-appointed health gurus has only served to encourage impressionable teenagers and young people to adopt unsustainable and dangerous dietary regimes. And as Alice said... It is extremely scary. And if you do see someone shouting one size fits all, mm. please just ha- a little a red flag should go off in your brain. But yeah. Alice, if you could share one thing for our listeners, one food for thought today, what would that be? Oh, what would my food for thought be today? Well, I think it's definitely something that I have suffered with. And I think it's that comparison um, syndrome. It's like we we constantly have to compare ourselves to others. And I think particularly as we've been talking today about exercise and nutrition, um, I think it's really important that we bring that uh, lack of comparison and that trying to reduce the amount that we compare ourselves to others into both of those worlds, that we're not looking at what the person next to us is eating, that we're not copying someone else's workout because it seems to be working for them. And we really start to look at ourselves and make decisions based on what we want to do. What do I want to eat what do I want to how, how do I want to exercise rather than following a kind of a, a dogmatic kind of um approach where you're you're literally just listening to what someone is saying and doing exactly as they say I think it's really important that we have a more personalized approach now that we realize that we are in the driving seat and that comparison is is basically drawing away all of that enjoyment out of probably the things that we want to do so I think if I could encourage everyone to do a little bit less comparing a little bit more um and have a little bit more sorry autonomy over how they approach their fitness and nutrition that would be the best thing for me I think you couldn't have said that better. Alice, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your years of training now with us on the Food for Thought podcast. My absolute pleasure. It's one of my favourite podcasts and um, I'm so honoured to be here. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach those higher highs in the charts and to help more people. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.